Beautiful singing. Enjoyed these songs there. And uh, had a good time this morning and back spent some time with Alec and Jackie and Ellen and went back home and got prepared for the night. But that last song we sung there is really the, the, the message I'm gonna uh, I've got is is within that song, you know, tonight and nobody knew what the message was except me and uh, I've even got down here with a salt and salt and light because Jesus also says we are, but I'll come back to that we are also the light of the world he was the light of the world but it says in Matthew chapter 5 as well you are the light of the world so we've got salt and light down here and many other things within that last song and what I want to speak about tonight is a principle within the scriptures what is what you could describe as seed time and harvest and you'll see as it comes out, you know, but that song says, Here I am, wholly available. And he's on to say, I don't know if I've got the word in right, but to, to, to serve you. And that is what God is calling everyone is to, you know, to, to live for him, to make ourselves wholly available to serve him and to really live in this place called seed time. And the first mention of that, for what, what, what I can think of from memory in the Bible, is Genesis chapter 8, verse 22. And part of that verse, it's after God had flooded the world, and he says he wouldn't do it again, you'll see the rainbow in the sky. And he says, as long as the earth remains, there will be seed time, and there will be a harvest and we know then he was referring to agriculture and farming, that there'll be seed time and harvest. But we see a principle intertwined, that principle intertwined throughout the scriptures of seed time and harvest, or sowing and reaping, as some people like to put it. You know, but I prefer the principle or the, or the, the, the vocabulary uh, of seed time and harvest. In Jesus, in Matt chapter 4, verse 26, I'm going to read this out, to verse 29. He picked up on this same principle. And in verse 26, in the New King James Version, it says, And he said, speaking of Jesus Christ himself, The kingdom of God is as if a man should scatter seed on the ground, and should sleep by night and rise by day. And that seed should sprout and grow. He himself does not know how. For the earth yields crops by itself. First the blade, then the head. After that the full grain in the head. But when the grain ripens, immediately he puts in the sickle because the harvest has come. And Jesus is picking up on this principle and he begins to tell us this parable within four verses and he says if you want to know what the kingdom of God is like this is what it's like and he says it's like a man going out and begin to scatter seed and Jesus was really giving us a picture of our lives and see what we do will have an effect how we live our lives will have an effect 
And Jesus says, it's like the man going out and he begins to scatter seed everywhere. And he says, a man sleeps by night and rises by day. And that seed begins to grow. He says, but the man does not know how. Meaning, the man doesn't fully understand the process. There's a bigger picture going on. God is orchestrating things behind the scenes that we do not fully see. And what I'm trying to say here is when we live for God, when we say, here I am, wholly available to you, to serve you, we are beginning to live in this place or in this principle, in this concept of seed time, seed time, living for him. And when we are seeking the face of God, Alec read out Psalm 24, and it speaks of many things. Speaks of who will ascend into the hill of the Lord, or who will stand in his holy place. He who has clean hands and a pure heart, who has not lifted up his soul to an idol. Then it goes on to speak about uh, Jacob. You know, a Jacob generation knows who will seek him. And that is like living in seed time when we begin to seek the face of God. And it speaks of this Jacob generation and the king of glory. You know, who is this king of glory? The Lord of hosts. He is the King of God, speaking of the Lord Jesus Christ. And it says this, you know, this seed is, it begins to, the growth takes place within this seed and it comes to a place of maturity. And Jesus speaks of the season shifting from seed time to harvest. It says when, that's, when those seeds become mature, when they begin to grow, they go through a particular process and you can even, uh, you could compare our lives to a seed. But it's gone through one season of preparation after another, after another, after another. And there's many ways we could look, look, look at this parable. But Jesus in the Gospel of John even compared his own life to a seed. Is it, this is what he says. He says, unless a grain of wheat falls into the ground and dies... It says it remains alone. But it says if it dies, it produces much grain. And what the Lord Jesus was telling us was he was giving his life as a seed. And that seed was going to produce a harvest. You know, and that harvest was me and it was you. It was, he was speaking of when he, he went into the ground. You know, he, he died on the cross and they put him in the ground. And on the third day... He was raised from the dead. And through that came about the born again experience. When we can be born again by the spirit of the living God. Born from above. You know, and God is calling everyone else to live in this place. Where we make ourselves available to him. You know, Alex says as well that, you, that God would revive us again. That he would breathe upon his church, you know, he breathed upon Adam, you know, breathed into his nostrils and the breath of life came in, you know, and we really need to breathe on our lives again to bring us alive. See, I believe the key to living in this place called seed time, and when I say seed time, I'm speaking about cultivating a relationship with God, you know, living for him and serving him out of that place, you know, when he becomes uh, the focus of our lives, when Jesus Christ becomes number one 
in our lives, when he becomes our primary focus in life, we are living in seed time. And everything we do out of that place is about him. Whether it's spending time in prayer, spending time in the word of God, worshipping God, church attendance, being faithful, reaching out to others, doing stuff for our own families, doing stuff for the, 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 the fellowship of believers, you know, using our time to help people, you know, using our time productively. Remember the Bible says about redeeming the time, doing something, you know, channeling our time in such a way that, it, that, that we're glorifying God. You know, using our resources to help others, tithing into the church, give, giving tithes and offerings. He says, bring the tithes and the offerings into my house, in, in my house that there may be food in my house. You know, everything we do, every, when every aspect of our lives is focused in being followers of Jesus Christ, that is living in seed time. It's like Jesus says, it's like a man going out and he begins to scatter seed all over the ground. And that's what it's like. When we live for God and God alone, he's saying you're living in seed time. You're like a man goes out and he scatters seed everywhere, all over the place. And that seed begins to sprout and it begins to grow. And that man does not know how, meaning there's something being orchestrated in our lives. God is orchestrating something that has, that there, is, there is implications. There is a, a, a bigger picture. You know, there was a man by the name of William Wilberforce. And that man was a believer in the Lord Jesus Christ and he wanted to make a difference. You know, he wanted to be salt and light upon this earth. And he was a, an MP, a member of parliament. And uh, this was in the time of the slave trade, where they were taking uh, people from America, uh, from Africa, Africans, and using them as slaves in America. And he even took a verse of scripture, you know, in the book of Deuteronomy, and they misinterpreted it and took it out of context. And they believed because these people were a different colour, they never had the same status as white people. And there was something within that man, there was a conviction within him, which was telling him there's something wrong here. You know, there's something, you know, there's something wrong about this. And he, being a politician, knew he could make a difference. And uh, he, be, he tried to put a bill through Parliament, and it got rejected. It never passed. And he ended up beginning to fight this cause for 20 years. And there was a, another group of people began to join him, and they began to take on this cause and they tried many, many, many times to get it through Parliament. And they tried many different strategies. And they failed, and they failed, and they failed, and they failed. But after 20 years, I think it was on the 11th time they tried to get this bill through, they got it through. And really, it was like a, a game changer. They became like, it, it made history where nothing would be the same again. And that was at the beginning of the abolition of the slave trade. You know, it was a, an injustice. And this man, you know, was using his life as a seed to produce a harvest, to make a difference. And I think it was about three days later, after this bill got through, you know, he died. He went into eternity, but he had accomplished, you know, an assignment, you know, that he felt he had from God to make a difference. But today, you know, our world... 
is in a terrible mess. They say that there's 27 million people affected by the sex slave trade. You know, and God is raising people up who are trying to make a difference. Many people within the church worldwide to make a difference. See, the choices we make today will affect tomorrow. And the way we live our life, you know, we leave a trail behind us, whether it's good or whether it's bad. The Apostle Paul says in Galatians chapter 6, in verse 7, verse 8, and verse 9, it says, He who sows according to the flesh will of the flesh reap corruption. Meaning the choices we make today, if we're sown according to the flesh, if we are living for ourselves, we will reap corruption, meaning we'll bring destruction upon our own lives. But he says, he who sows to the Spirit will of the Spirit reap everlasting life. But then it goes on to say in verse 9, in fact that's verse 7 and 8 I mentioned there, verse 9 says this, And let us not grow weary while doing good, for in due season we shall reap if we do not lose heart. It says we will reap, reap what? It's saying we'll reap a harvest. We'll reap a harvest. And that really, that principle I'm talking about, you see it within these verses of scripture. You see it for good and you see it for bad. You know, we leave a trail behind us, the way we live our lives for good or for bad. And he says we will reap if we do not lose heart. So in other words, when we are living for God, we have absolutely no idea the effect we are having and going to have. That's what Jesus says. He says, a man sleeps by night and he rises by day. And that's, those seeds that he is sowing, those begin to grow and they begin to sprout and they begin to go through a diff- this process where it brings it to a place of fullness, a place really of maturity. See, harvest is about everything beginning to mature. And Jesus says at the end of the age will be the harvest. In Ephesians chapter 6, verse 8, it says, Knowing that whatever good anyone does, he will receive the same from the Lord. Now, some of these verses are powerful verses, meaning whatever good you do, you will receive the same from the, from the Lord. That is really entering into that place of reward with him. Entering into that place of harvest. There was a young man by the name of Evan Roberts. And Evan Roberts prayed for 13 years. He prayed and he went, he was, just, he was praying himself. You know, he, he really prayed himself as, a, as an individual. But he was also praying with, with, with the people in the church. And he would go to the prayer meeting five nights a week. And I think it was Monday to Friday. He would go to this prayer meeting. And, you know, he really, over the years, he really began to feel burdened to continually persevere, you know, within this relationship with God, within this journey. And he really got gripped by something, you know, he had this burden to pray, but he really got gripped by the spirit of prayer. And he, and he just began to persevere 
And he began to press into God. And he began to press into God. And press into God. And ended up a group of them. But he was really the, the, the key person within this. And just a, a young boy grew up into a man. But for about, I think it was four months before the revival broke out in Wales. Between one o'clock in the morning and five in the morning, he would wake up and he would begin to cry out to God. You know, and he'd begin to groan, and, and, and he would be burdened, and he would begin to travail, really in the presence of God. And God began to show him stuff that was coming. And one day, something broke. You know, it, was, it, was, it happened suddenly, but it was many, many, many years leading up to that. And something really broke in the realm of the Spirit. And revival begins to break out in the nation of Wales. You know, and really, the presence of God begins to fall. And full communities were transformed. Families were transformed. You know, people were transformed. Churches, you know, the glory of God came down. And what does the Bible say in Ezekiel chapter 22 and verse 30? God says, I looked, this is in the days of Ezekiel. And God says, I looked for a man who would stand in the gap on behalf of the land. I look for a man. See, God was saying, if I can find one person, back then in the nation of Israel, I see, see, the nation was in a terrible, terrible mess. And they really came under, if you read the book of Ezekiel, it tells us that they really came under the judgment of God. And the judgment of God came, but God says, I looked for a man who would stand in the gap on behalf of the land. You know, and God was saying, if I could just find one, one person to intercede for this land, I can turn things around. And uh, I believe right now God is raising, he's bringing forth people who are standing in the gap in Irving Nation. There's a great prayer movement taking place. It's been happening for many years. People are praying as individuals, but people are also praying corporately. You know, uh, in different nations, that we've, we've seen things like 24-hour prayer going on in some nations. Some t- in, in one place alone, it's been going on for 20 years. They do it, they take different slots. One group goes in, another group comes out, two-hour slots. And they're praying for something to shift within the nation. And I believe God is raising up people right now within this nation. My, my prayer life... 11 years ago, began to take on a life of its own. And I prayed for the first uh, six years as a Christian. I was praying and praying and praying. But the last 11 years, something happened to me. It's like this grace came upon me 11 years ago in August 2008 when my prayer life began to take on a life of its own. And God gave me this burden to pray. But I've literally spent hours every day in prayer for over... 11 years now and I believe this is God is doing things with many different people see the Bible says that Jesus says himself that many are called but few few are chosen and I believe God has given everyone is an invitation to respond to, 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 to the call of living for him living in this place called seed time that we will see a harvest in our nation see people in education, people can pour their lives into education, and that's good. Into sports, you know, into 
their careers. And when they really invest in that, they, they will begin to see a return. You know, they'll begin to see things taking place in their life further down the line. But how much more in our spiritual lives? And this is what Jesus is talking about. He says, if you want to know what the kingdom of God is like, this is what it's like. And he says it is like seed time and it is harvest. And he spoke first of the seed time. You know, a man scattering seed all over the ground. But it was in verse, several verses later, he spoke of the harvest. You know, and there was an in-between part. And that is really a time of preparation. That is really a time of growth. That is really a time of everything coming to maturity. John Wesley said this. He says, give me a hundred men. He says, who love nothing but God. He says, and hate nothing but sin. And he says, I will change the world. I will change the world. And this is what we're singing about in that last song. Here I am, Lord, making myself wholly available to you. To serve you, really, to live for you. You know, what we do will have an effect. You know, it'll, it'll become ingrained into us. You know, you see people and they're steeped in sexual immorality. They're steeped in pornography. You know, I'm just using that as an example. And really, if they do that enough, it'll begin to become such a part of them that they'll feel completely defiled. You know, within their, their, their inner being. And it's the same with these computer games, violent computer games. They have done studies and research, and they're saying that violent, this violence within computer games and films and stuff like that, if people get engrossed in that enough, it will be, become a part of them, become ingrained into them. And they've done research that these two things I just mentioned will have an effect. It will get, it will, it will get worse and worse and worse and worse and worse. And uh, it begins to take a hold of people. And some of these people are going to schools in America, these young people, and they're shooting people, and they're doing these mass shootings. They've done research, and these people started off, they begin to fill themselves with this stuff. You know, but how much more us, when we live for God, when we live in seed time, see, when we live, really, uh, when we live, we, we, we intake the word of God every day, in Hebrews chapter 4, verse 12, it says as for the, the, the word of God is living and powerful, sharper than a two-edged sword, piercing even to the division of soul and spirit and joints and marrow and is a discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. See, the writer in the book of Hebrews was telling us he was telling us that this word of God can, can penetrate and begin to touch every fibre of our being. See, what we carry is what will emanate. You know, if we carry the presence of God, if we are filled with the word of God, it will begin to touch and change every fibre of our being, and that's what will release into the atmosphere. If we are corrupted, you know, if we are defiled, that's what we'll release. We, we, we leave a trail behind us in this life for good or for bad. The last time I was here in the Sunday night, we mentioned the, the I mentioned the, the Lewis revival, and I know Alex family's got a connect, had a connection with 
with Duncan Campbell and I actually think it was for this area, wasn't it? Maybe within this area. But, you know, our age does not disqualify us. The two wee women, you know, really got a hold of God. They were in their 80s and they were sisters. And I think one was 83 and 84. You know, and they really get desperate before God. And they, they, they really say there has got to be more than this. And really, they, they were living in seed time because they were pressing into God in prayer. Really pressing into God. And out of that, they seen a harvest. You see God really sweep over that island. And God gave them a verse of scripture. It was Isaiah chapter 44 verse 3. But it says, For I'll pour water in him who is thirsty, and floods on the dry ground. I'll pour out my spirit on your descendants, and my blessing on your offspring. See, it, was, it wasn't just for one generation. You know, it was for multiple generations that were alive at that time. God gave them that verse. And they began to get a hold of that verse and they wouldn't let go. And they really prayed and they prayed and they prayed and they prayed. See, they were living in seed time and they seen a harvest. They seen a harvest where God began to sweep full villages into the kingdom of God. Duncan Campbell arrived on that island and uh, I watched a, a, a documentary and he arrived on the island and they said, uh, they said, we're going to take you to the church. There'll not be many people there, he says. There'll only be about two or three hundred people there. And I just want you to give them a wee address. Then we'll take you for the church to the man's where you'll get, you'll get your supper. And that'll be you for the night. But he arrived in the church and, you know, the power of God began to move powerfully. You know, th- these wee women prayed this move of God in. And God moved powerfully. But as he was going to leave the church... Somebody appeared at the church and he says, all these people have appeared at the police station. And there was no, right about the police station, there was no logical explanation for that. So he says, right, let's go where the police station is. But the police station was here. And the, the, the police officer who, who looked after the police station, he was a born-again Christian. So they weren't sure if it was something to do with that or the two wee women. Their house was next to it. Their house was next to it. And there was no logical explanation it was just a sovereign move of God. But all these people had came for the next area. They had came and they, just, they were all congregated outside. Outside in the outdoors. And Duncan Campbell arrived with a team of people. And the presence of God just fell. And people began to turn to Jesus Christ. All the people were there, many, many, many people began to turn to Jesus Christ. This wee woman got on her knees and she thanked God because her son had just been saved. You know, this was a sovereign move of God through people living in this concept called seed time. As long as the earth remains, there will be seed time and there will be harvest. And I believe, you know, they, these revivals that have came and they've gone. And they say that there's been more revivals in Scotland than any other nation in the UK. More revivals. And uh, God is looking for people Again, who will stand in the gap? Look, and stand in the gap on behalf of this nation. And I have been feeling this burden for many, many years. And God is awakening people, you know, within their spirits. He awakened those two old ladies. He awakened something within them. Where they began to pray. And they were living for God. And they would not give up. And they began to persevere. And they began to persevere. And they began to persevere until something happened. 
And me, as believers in the Lord Jesus Christ, I've got a responsibility. We have got a responsibility before God to pray for our, our, our families, to pray for our, if you've got kids and grandkids or whatever in, in our communities, in our churches, in, in, in these, these towns. We have got a responsibility to pray before God. He is looking for men and he is looking for women who will stand in the gap in behalf of this nation. I believe he's raising people up right now. He's awakening people right now within the Spirit. It's in 2 Chronicles chapter 16, verse 9. It says this. It says, The eyes of the Lord run to and fro throughout the whole earth to show himself strong in behalf of those whose hearts is loyal to him. God is looking for people who are fully submitted and fully yielded to him. And he's going to, and he's saying, I'm going to use him and I'm going to use her. You know, her age does not disqualify eyes, as I already said. These were women were in their 80s, 83 and 84, with health issues, severe health issues. And they prayed in one of the greatest revivals that they, they, they talk about this revival even over in America in different parts of the world. We don't just talk about it in Scotland. Some of them in America know more about it than us. You know more about what happened there. But God began to sweep through that island. You know, and it was never the same. Many people uh, were taken into the ministry. They, went, they, they moved out the island of Lewis and took the gospel in many, many different places. These guys, many of these people at the police station that day, seven of them ended up in the ministry. You know, the woman who was on her knees thanking God that her son had been saved, it was sovereign. It was sovereign. Nobody, don't even know if anybody was preaching the gospel to them, the presence of God just came down and they began to come under the conviction of sin and turn their lives over to Jesus Christ. God has done this throughout history and he's going to do it again. And it is our responsibility to decide if we want to play a part in that and begin to pray this in and begin to serve him, you know, and live for him. But live in this, this place called Seed Time. See, something will be unlocked. These two wee old ladies, they unlocked something, something that was an unlocking in the realm of the Spirit. And Jesus says this, it says in Matthew chapter 6, verse 6, he says, and you, he says, when you pray, he says, go into your room, he says, and shut the door, he said, and pray to your father, the father who is in the secret place. He says, and your father who sees in secret will reward you openly. Meaning, Jesus is saying, get into the secret place, pray and something is going to happen. He says they will reward you openly, meaning something will be in that secret place where it's one on one with God. Something will be unlocked. And the people in the public place will begin to see something take place in your life. And that, you know, place of being in that place of seclusion will go from being in the place of seclusion to the place of inclusion. Inclusion means to be part of, part of something that's going on, part of a structure. But Jesus was saying, it begins in the secret place. He says, and your father who sees in secret will reward you openly. 
In other words, it's the same concept or a very similar concept, seed time and harvest. As long as the earth remains, there will be seed time and there will be harvest. And Jesus says that the man, he says he, he scatters seed, scatters seed by day, he slept by night, and that seed begins to grow, and it begins to sprout. And he spoke about the different stages of growth it goes through. He says, but when the time came, he says he put, it was time for him to put in the sickle because the harvest has come. And I believe, you know, if we are living for God, he's got a harvest for us. He's got a harvest of good things. And let us not grow weary while doing good. For in due season, we shall reap if we do not lose heart. And if you're living for God and you've been living for God, you know, I want you to be encouraged. There's a bigger picture. There's something been outworked in your life. And it doesn't just affect your life. It affects your family. It affects those round about you, those you come into contact with. It affects your community. It affects your, your church. So I'm just going to finish so I don't keep going and going. But Father, we thank you, Lord. We can come here today, Lord. And we believe, Lord, there's a new, there is a new day, Lord, and there's a new day coming, Lord. And there is a Jacob generation coming forth, Lord, who will seek your face. Lord, and it's those with a, a, a clean hands and a pure heart who have not lifted up their soul to an idol, meaning those who are, their motives are right, those who want to live for you and live for you alone. And this generation will experience Jesus, the King of kings and the Lord of lords, for he is the King of glory. Lord, and we're praying for the presence of God to manifest in these days, to manifest upon our lives, Lord. For it says, if you love me, you say, Jesus, and obey my commands, I will love you and manifest myself to you. Lord, and I pray you bring us hope tonight, Lord. Bring us comfort, Lord. Bring us encouragement, Lord. Bring awakening, Lord, in our spirits that there's more. There is more than what we have seen so far, Lord, that the season will change. When we're living in seed time, Lord, we will further down the road. And at that time, I believe, is soon, we'll enter into harvest. We'll really enter into it, begin to possess the promises of God, the things you have promised us in your word. You says, if Joshua had given them rest, there wouldn't have otherwise been spoken of another day. And the writer says that there's another day coming. And that is really the day, Lord, that you are going to move among your people, Lord. But you will move once again. You says the latter glory will be greater than the former, says the Lord. You says once more I will shake the heavens and I will shake the earth. Oh, Lord, and you says the silver and gold are mine. You says, and in this place I will give peace. I will give peace, Lord, the peace of God, Lord. And we're crying out, Lord, that you would do something, Lord, in our lives as individuals, Lord, but corporately, Lord, within our towns and communities and families, Lord, and within this nation. You say you, you, you will, you're finding people right now, Lord, who are standing in the gap, Lord. Bring people forth who will stand in the gap in behalf of this nation, in behalf of this town, Bowness, Lord, and Grangemouth, Lord, and all these places, Lord, within the central belt, Lord, and, and we're crying out, Lord, that you would do it again, Lord. Raise up intercessors, Lord, prayer warriors, Lord, in these days, Lord. 
people who are standing in the gap, people who are living in seed time, Lord, that we would see a great harvest, Lord, of the good things of God, Lord, of the even of souls, Lord, coming into the kingdom of God in the mighty name of Jesus Christ. Amen.